Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Just the two of did you just the two of us for now. We might have a, a Berg sighting a little bit later in the show to talk some basketball. We're not we're not certain on that. Justin is uh getting his wife adjusted to being back home here in Cincinnati. So uh if he has some time, he said he was gonna try to pop in and talk to us. And if he does, I'd be delighted to hear from him. Been a little while. Berg has been down in Atlanta getting his wife ready for the move home. So now they're home. So hopefully he can start to pop back around a little bit more once they get situated. Uh, other lines of business to cross town tip off, at least on our end, is uh, put to rest, put to bed as we headed out last night and uh, tipped $1,000 at nine different bars and restaurants. And uh, did that with the fine folks uh, the, from the Holy Grail and Mio's, our partners, and very, very cool. Um, it's funny the different reactions you get, Dave. I don't know how much of those you got to watch today. Uh, not much. Some of them, you catch them off guard and they're like jumping up and down like they just, you know, hit a, hit a spin on the big wheel and the price was right. And other people are, you know, the, the older you get, the little more reserved you are, where you can tell it just like uh, overcomes them that, you know, the some of the problems they've had recently were uh, wiped away for 10 minutes. And it's not life changing money, but it is uh, it is enough to pick your pick your spirits up for a day, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so thanks to, as always, our great friends at the Holy Grail and our friends at Mio's for being partners, for uh, wanting to pay this forward and not just have it be something that benefited uh, those two places because that's how this was uh, set up from the start. They wanted to help some other places around town because they knew a lot of people in the restaurant and bar industry were hurting. So that was uh, was pretty cool. I was I was upset, Dave. We, we got to knock back gnats like right as they were stopping food service. Oh, do you think any wings? No, it's all I wanted all night was to get wings from knockback gnats. You know what? That's on you. That's poor it is. planning. Well, it was, I mean, given the, the route, it was perfect route planning. It just so happened that we didn't get there just quite in time. We were, we spent a little bit too much time at Murphy's, which happens. That might be the thing that I miss most about working downtown. Is knock back Nat's wings. Just being able to go like I, I my office was like not even a block away. So her wings are so end good. End of the day, go over, get a beer while they're making my wings, go home. Yeah, so, I remember many times you like you'd call me and I'd be like, What are you doing? Just had some <laughs> wings, knock back nuts. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, I was so upset that we we didn't get there in time. We we missed last call for food, but can't win them all but it was it was awesome it was a really cool uh thing to do and making people's day makes you feel good i guess that's my takeaway from last night oh sure so we got at least a, a couple things pop up today we'll get to the the schedule release here in a second i'm working on a uh a first look for the schedule that i'll put out tomorrow um it, i i i'll I'll ask you that. Well, I guess we'll just do the schedule first. We'll do the other stuff second, since we've talked about the other stuff 10 million times already. 
is there a game you can ever remember in your history as a UC football fan that has more storylines to it than UC Notre Dame? No, a regular season game, absolutely not. And a postseason game, I regular mean, season game, it doesn't matter. What, what I mean, this thing is unbelievable when you start thinking just about how many crossovers sure. there are. Um, I mean, the Sugar Bowl was pretty big deal but like story like actual storylines like week of you know me storyline for the sugar bowl was uc is going to get its ass kicked because brian kelly and the whole staff are gone uh but yeah i don't i have not looked yet to see who they play in their first four games um i can't imagine it's anybody of uc's caliber but yeah, I mean, you have what could be. I'm. Oh wow, they play Wisconsin in Chicago the week before. Yeah. So that's yeah. How how mad is BK? Wisconsin in Chicago the week before while UC's on a bye. And then so they in to play them. They open with Florida State, which, I mean. Who knows if they're going to be any good? Who knows what? Who knows what Notre Dame's going to? That's that's kind honestly. of the thing. Like, maybe I'm just—I don't know. Like, I do look a lot into returning production, at least early to early in the season. They are replacing a ton of production, especially yeah. offense. Um. So. New quarterback, new wide receiver, you know, top wide receiver. I know for sure two, maybe three offensive linemen that are going to get drafted, and that doesn't even count maybe some other seniors. Um, so I don't like – A lot on defense. People are like, oh, this is a top 10 matchup. I'm not sure Notre Dame's in the top 10 or top 15. I mean, they got the quarterback transfer that – does that kid really move the needle? No, not to me. Not to step in for a, a championship contending team. It, it came it came from Wisconsin, right? Yes. He I couldn't – he didn't start there. He got beat up right. by a freshman. He got, I don't know if he got hurt or what – or COVID or what, but he got beat up by a freshman. I – I know I'm crazy for thinking this. I think Indiana might be the tougher game. Could be. Uh, Indiana. See, here's here's here's. Okay, so tell, Miami Miami to start. Tell me if Michael Penix plays. Uh, I mean, the, the word is he, uh, Joe Burrow timeline, similar timeline. He's supposed to be back for the start of the season. I think their defense is better than people think, and they got a lot of guys coming back. Defense returns a ton. Offense returns a lot. Um, they do lose one of their two really, really good wide receivers. Um, but Freifogel's still there, and he's their best one. No, but I mean, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised he came back. But, yeah, just start at – I was too. Not jump ahead, but let's just start at the, at the top. We'll, we'll, we'll start with Miami. I, I jumped ahead because I, you know, the Notre Dame thing is on my mind because I was just kind of going over that part of my my schedule preview. Um, Miami, <clears throat> Blake Gabbard, 
entering his third year as a starter. They only got three games last year because of COVID. Um, Chuck Martin in year eight, it seems like he has found really a place he's comfortable. Eight? Yeah, this is year eight. Oh, my God. I, I couldn't believe it either. I, I looked it up earlier like today. Five. They seem to be comfortable with him. He seems to be comfortable with them. Uh, They're in a tough spot in that regard because it's like, what do you do? Right. If you make a move on him, you could be right back to where you were before he got there. And yeah, maybe, and I think they like I think ceiling, they realize that. Maybe his ceiling is six, seven, eight wins, but his floor is no longer what it was when he took over. Right. So you just kind of ride ride that thing out. Is he Rick Minner? Because God knows what happens if you got rid of him. I mean, who's taking that job? I mean, it's it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot right now. They're not the only ones in that boat in the MAC. But um, I mean, they lost their best offensive player to transfer. One of their offensive linemen transferred to Oklahoma State. And Gabbard's pretty good. Like I I think he's He's definitely for their level for a MAC quarterback. He's pretty solid. Yeah, I mean. But they're not coming into Nippert and winning game one against this team. They're not coming. They're not coming in within four touchdowns. I mean, who knows? I'm not, I, I, you're a little more cocky in those regards and in, in predictions. I don't know what they are. They had one good game this year. They played Buffalo and got waxed. So I'll give you that. I'm, I just like <laughs> lost 14 times in a row. There is that. I'm not like, I don't know. You don't get much from me in that regard. That's going to be name the score type deal. Murray State, week two. Murray State uh, is getting ready to start their season. That'll be an interesting case study. And, you know, they play seven games starting February 28th. It's very interesting because. Like, Their spring football is literally spring football. People talk, I just, this shit just cracks me up. We talk about amateurism and health and wellness, and we're going to have these FCS dudes in some cases play like an eight game schedule and then a, t- and then a playoff, 16 team playoff, and then turn around in what, five months? Three, four months, and then play 12 more games? Four and a half months, yeah, four and a half, five months. Yeah, makes total sense. Yeah, it's all, it's all about the student-athlete. So, uh, I mean, like, do, do some teams, maybe not a Murray State because they're playing seven games, but I think some teams maybe are only playing, like, four games. Do some places just treat it like – Spring football? Spring football, and you just play all your dudes – you don't care necessarily if you I mean you care if you win or lose, but like you play everybody. Yeah. And you just get ready for the actual 2021 season. Um, I don't think we have much to say on Murray State. No. Indiana. I, I don't know, man. I just look at that team. I watched them a couple times this year. I like I like the way Tom Allen has them playing. It seems like much like Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, those guys play hard for him i think there's a ton of respect there between the staff and the players they've got some dudes 
I think their defense is pretty solid with Penix. Their offense, the thing that you worry about if you're Indiana, their offensive line it was bad, bad last year. Now, it didn't show up in sack numbers because Penix ran for his life and, and didn't get sacked, but there was a ton of pressure on a quarterback that's now going to be coming back after an ACL injury. Right. I guess this is, the, this is how much stock do you put into co- the COVID season? So they got all this run for beating Penn State, who turned out to be dog shit for the vast majority of the season. They played a little bit better towards the end, but still. Then they they beat Michigan, who also was dog poop. They were getting their their absolute doors blown off by Ohio State. And then Ohio, I'm not going to say Ohio State stopped playing. They came back. They made it a game. But, like, they were – I think it was 35-7. to seven. It was. It was a boat race for a little while. So – and then they lost to Ohio State. And what, they lost to – they lose one other game? They lose to uh, They lost State. their bowl game, right? They lost their bowl game to Ole Miss. Um, so, I'm just wondering, like – did they get all this run because they beat Penn State and Michigan, who weren't good, and came back in the game against Ohio State? So are they are they good? Were they good? Are they good? Like, or were they playing these crazy close games and trading punches back and forth and they were exciting. It was like, oh my God, they won again. Indi- oh, little, little old Indiana and beat Penn State for the first time since 1812 and then beat Michigan for the first time since 1427. Like, is that why everybody was high on them or was it that they were actually good? Chad's internet's frozen. You know, that's what we're going to find out, right? Yeah, you were just frozen there for a while. You were frozen. No, you are. <laughs> it worked fine for me. Uh, but freeze. yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's what we're going to find out. But I mean, they have a good quarterback or a highly rated quarterback that filled in for Penix. I think he was like a four star transfer from Utah. Um, but yeah, like, I think I don't know. We'll see. It's kind of a. I mean, I think they'll be a top twenty-five team to start the year, but I don't know if I don't know. I'm I'm a little skeptical. You're not in on, on Indiana. I'm not totally in, just based on. I feel like they had. I feel like they had empty, empty wins last year, that were name wins, but like those teams weren't any good. Yeah. But still, you got to win the game. You do. And, and they, like, they got into the top 10 by, by losing to Ohio state and beating two bad name teams. End of the day, the Ohio state game was a one score game and they won the other games. So they're one touchdown behind the number four team in the country in their own division. Yeah. And they, they beat everybody else. Didn't they lose to Michigan State? Well, 
think so. Northwestern. So it was like that was that was Northwestern. Riding high and then lost to. Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't either. I don't think they did. Oh no, they, I think they, they they beat Michigan State twenty. Yeah. So I thought. Twenty. What, what am I looking at here? This is compelling. Oh my god! So so good. Content here. Yeah, they just lost Ohio State and. Um, That's what I was trying to and, tell you. An old Miss. And they lost the bowl game. They lost two games. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think I think it's it's a tough out in their place, and I think for them. I don't the think motivation found in their place. Well, be, I mean, there'll be 5,000, 7,000 UC fans there. <laughs> but you're still going on the road. A team playing at home has an advantage over a team playing on the road, Dave. True. I just, I, I get the prestige and why the Notre Dame game is the bigger marquee game. I just wonder how much Indiana's looking at Cincinnati as this is our chance to get a huge. You know, out of conference win over a team that could give us some validation going into Big Ten play. They do have a, they start at Iowa, which is not great. And Unless then you win. No, but yeah, I mean, but that's like a tough, that's a pretty tough opener. It is. I agree. And then uh, versus Idaho before the UC game. So they have a bye before the UC game or a buy in between Iowa and Idaho? Or no, that's week three. No, Sorry. My, yeah. bad. My bad. My bad. Um, I don't know. I, I just think Indiana's going to be a, a, a tricky, really tough contest. Oh, I'm not that, saying we're just going to go in there and like kick the crap out of them, but I have, I have questions just based on were they – was the love a little inflated? Maybe. No. Notre Dame, uh, I mean, I, I just – they're. I think they're kind of catching a break that they're going to get UC game five, though, because they're going to at least get quite a few opportunities to iron some things out on what is essentially a, a pretty fresh group of players running with the ones. Yeah. Now, I think, I think they might have the best time in college football. It's way better than, uh, you know, the second week or whatever. You know, from their standpoint, Michael Mayer's a monster. Oh yeah. <laughs> See, could you imagine being that kid in high school? Because he looked like that at Covcalf. That's what he looked like. It would be tough to stop. Tough to stop. Um, I I think that's, I think that's a winnable game in South Bend. I really do. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't go 12-0 and 0 if we don't go 4 now. <laughs> then six days later, you get the uh, flailing Temple Owls. Oh, my God, they're going to be so – like, they were terrible last year and are, I think, dead last or almost dead last in returning production. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how yeah. fast that thing fell apart. I mean, you can't even be like, hey, we were young. <laughs> nope. Even the guys that produced on your bad team aren't there anymore. Well, and again, that's just, you know, the result of your coach. They had a coach stay for like four days. 
was was Manny Diaz there that long? Was it less than four days? I mean, it might have been. It wasn't long. He wasn't there long. I think he got an introductory press conference in. But that's what happens when you're just constantly, and they they had some damn good coaches. Oh yeah. But all it takes is one <laughs> off hire or one guy that loses some of the momentum and you're in trouble. But I like that game after Indiana and Notre Dame. You get a bye week between Indiana and Notre Dame. I like that. Then you get Temple, which, I mean, if this team's anything close to what we think it should be, you beat the snot out of Temple in oh, different stadiums. Sure. UCF. That might, be, that might be – could Temple be homecoming? I would – I mean, Temple or, or – do you Tulsa. make it November 6th? It's a little – seems a little late. I, I Temple October 8th would be perfect for homecoming, wouldn't it? Probably a nice 62-degree day. Yeah. That would be – that would be ideal. I don't think we need to spend much time on that. Uh, UCF. The Gus Malzahn era begins. Gus Bus. Uh, I think it's going to take him a little time to get what he's looking for at UCF. Well, I think this this year, I don't want to say a throwaway year, but he's calling plays for the first time in a while. He's which he's very good at. He's or very has good been very at. good at it. Their personnel is not set up to run what he wants to run. Right. So what was I listening to podcast the other day? And they said they were, he was going to go out and get a rent a center dear King. <laughs> Cause I mean, when they went, the, when they went to the national championship against Florida state, Nick Marshall was their quarterback. Yeah. He's a, he's playing corner in the CFL now. Like, I know they tweeted out some picture of him meeting with Dylan Gabriel today or something. I'm not sold that he's sticking around. He took all his stuff down. Gus's offense is not drop back 40 times, throw the ball 20-plus yards down the field 80% of the time. It's not it. He wants a big-ass offensive line. He wants to A mobile quarterback. Mobile quarterback. RPO inverted veer, like that's Dylan Gabriel is not his system quarterback, right? So do you do you try to make uh, put a square peg in a round hole for one season, or do you say screw it, I'm just going to run what I want to run right away and record be damned? We should have a pretty good idea by week seven. Yeah, where they're oh, at. We'll, know, we'll know right away. I mean, if Gabriel's around, he's going to square peg round hole. Yeah. I, I just don't see how he runs that offense with him. They are obviously going to, to, to the guys that are left have revenge on their mind after consecutive losses to the Bearcats. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think this is a, a good year to pick the the Knights over the Bearcats. This is uh, this is, is two thousand eight eighteen revenge game for UC. <laughs> October twenty third, Navy. 
we'll get to see what what Mike Tressel has up his sleeve to stop the option, right? There's there's some tape that they can use now about what you know what works here in stopping the option. Yeah, Navy's got Navy was not good this year. No. So we'll see how big, you know, what kind of strides they make with a full, what should be a full normal off season. But I think we're, I think we're getting to the point where them being in the conference is now hurting them because these teams have now played them multiple, multiple times, times right? and they just can't rec- you know, they can't recruit to the to the level of UC, Central Florida, Memphis, Houston. That, if you're gonna run that, just, you gotta have a you gotta have a special quarterback. Right. It's just it's a dudes thing now. Like you can have this funky thing, but like UC just has a bunch of dudes on defense now where it kinda doesn't matter unless you have not similar dudes, but like like a Malcolm Perry. Like Right. Because you're not going to trick them anymore. Like, they no. know what works now. So, you know, Good luck. It's, not, it's not like you just show up and it's like, oh, we haven't practiced against the triple. You know, what do we do? Like, UC knows what to do. All these dudes that are still on the team right. <laughs> have played them twice. More than familiar. And played Army. So, like, you, you've studied the principles of the option extensively you have your master's degree in option defense at Tulane Saturday October 30th this one's an interesting one right I mean they've made improvements they're gonna see Cincinnati at home as an opportunity to to make a splash for sure I mean they're they're retooling offensive staff again you're you're coming off a Navy game which always makes you nervous they run – it's weird. They run a, not kind of the same thing, but they kind of run this, like, spread triple almost. Not with, like, the wing back coming flying around and stuff, but they want to run the ball. They've got a pretty good quarterback. I would say he's – this year he's probably the third best quarter, quarterback in the league. And he had a good year, for he sure. Was, he was a true freshman. Had a pretty good year. Their schedule's freaking brutal, though. Like, they keep doing, like, Willie Fritz gets a lot of love in, like, the inside football type guys. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sold just because, like, he stabilized Tulane, but he hasn't really, they haven't taken an except They seem to lose games every year that you're like, why are you losing that game? Right. They play old Oklahoma and Ole Miss in the non-conference. Like, why are you doing that? That's, that's dumb. Your goal sure. needs to be to get to bowl games, man. You're not a buy. You're not a buy team. Why are, they are you playing games? two teams like that? Are they buy games? Do you know? No, because they're playing like Morgan State. No, too. but I just did. If they were being a buy team for Oklahoma and Ole Miss, uh, I don't know. I think I want to say they're. They're getting games back. I mean, I don't know why you would do that. Because that's the mentality at Tulane and always and the, has been, the I guess. The other non-conference game is UAB. They're not terrible. Like, what are you doing? 
trying to go two and two or one and three before conference play. And then they play Houston. This is their okay. So they they start out at home against Oklahoma, Morgan State, Ole Miss on the road, UAB at home. So that's their non-conference. ECU, whatever. Here's their next their next five games: Houston, SMU, UC, UCF, Tulsa, and then USF and Memphis. Like they play like what the, what are you doing playing those games, man? I know you schedule this ahead of time, but like this is like the whole thing with like schools like South Carolina. Like you already got to play Clemson, you already got to play in the SEC. You should be playing dog babies your other three non-conference games. Like, like, why is Tulane playing Oklahoma and Ole Miss? I play one of them. I'm certainly not playing both. You know, and then you're going to play SMU, UC, and UCF three games in a row. Like, good luck, guys. Yeah. All right, let's keep it moving. Tulsa, November 6th. They're going to have revenge on their mind, but they won't have it. Who are their good players now? That's, uh, it's not, <laughs> yeah, their good players are gone. So, and look, their offense has no chance against this defense. No. None. None. At USF, Friday, November 12th, a couple days in the sunshine. In November is nice for the, trip for the guys. The psyche. It's the perfect time for the, the one of the a trip to Florida. Is SMU November 20th probably for the conference championship regular season? I I honestly don't know. Like, I don't know who Great the answer. Second, second best team is. I, I mean, <laughs> if you told me SMU, UCF, or Memphis finished second, I'd be like, okay. I don't I don't know. I, I I think SMU is the second best team Their on paper. Wasn't good. And they Memphis's were... defense isn't good. UCS defense isn't good. Right. But they also we're dealing they... with three teams whose defenses stink. So I mean they're re- replacing a quarterback. So is Memphis, and so probably is UCF. Yeah. But they're replacing it probably with a true freshman. Memphis has yeah. some transfers that have at least played. Um, right. Kid, kid from Arizona is, is actually pretty good. Um, but I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, they, I'm looking at their, they play Houston, Memphis, UCF, bang, 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 right in the three weeks before they play UC. Oh, wow. That's not a, that's not a forgiving little run of games right there for them. And Houston, they play Houston, Memphis on the road, UCF at home, then come to UC. So three of those four are on the road. Ooh, all right. I'm, re- I'm revisiting my uh, SMU take. <laughs> I'm revisiting my SMU takes. Stop the presses. That's you, – you talk about is, – is there an uh, – uh, what? Who's SMU's rival? Houston, I guess? Uh, I think it's TCU, but – Okay. Sorry, well, but things. is TCU aware that they're Houston? They're SMU. Yeah, they play for some like skillet or frying pan or you know Dutch oven or something. I don't know. One of those 
they play for some kitchen appliance. Oh, kitchen appliance. Um, in the conference, I would oh. guess it's Houston. Does Houston have somebody making the schedules? Like this, this is a, is this a Brian Thornton situation? I don't know. That's, that's brutal. My at Houston, <laughs> at Memphis, UCF at home, at UC, no buys. Uh, no, their buy is middle of the season. Cool. So their, their buy is halfway point. They go two lane at home, Houston, Memphis on the road, UCF at home, UC, and then home against Tulsa to finish. Woof. Yeah. At East Carolina, Saturday, November 27th. I mean, this, this is a revenge. This is the man. I, if, Mike Houston is definitely making t-shirts for this game. <laughs> like this is going to be the, you know, the countdown clock, you know, the hype video. Especially if you're looking at 11 and 0 Cincinnati. That's got oh my God. Game at Indiana. Oh. They're, they're going to be so fired up in Greenville. So Senior day up. in Greenville. Holt Naylor's back there slinging it again. Who could ask for anything I mean, more on this your is, this on your? Is definitely going to be like a, a game day type atmosphere. <laughs> first look, first look, you going twelve and zero? Hell yes! Hell yes! What we just we were just in the discussion in our minds and in a lot of people's minds of making the playoff. We have. More people coming back than we would have anticipated if you had asked me about that, you know, in the in the week and a half between the conference championship and the more Peach people Bowl. coming back if you'd have asked me when the clock hit zero in the Peach Bowl. Right. I'm just saying, like, right. Because legitimately, Kobe Bryant, Curtis Brooks, Marcus, Marcus Brown, Brown didn't think for one second any of those three were coming back. The indications were before that game that they were all leaving. And then in the days after, they had a change of a change of heart and decided to run it back. And we didn't know about Dez, and we didn't know about Maje. We thought we had a good idea on Dez, but Maje was a coin flip. We had less of an idea on Maje. They're all back. Like what? If okay, if if we want to be considered in the club, and we want to have expectations, I don't think. It's unfair to say that expectations are conference championship 12 and 0. 11 and I, 1, maybe you say like a you're you're couching it a little bit with the Notre Dame game, but like now I'm not saying I would be disappointed. I mean, there's a difference between expectations and being disappointed. Like I'd be disappointed and frankly, I'd be disappointed in 10 and 2. 10 and 2. <laughs> but like it's not 13 and 0 playoff or bust, but like you can't do what you did last year. And then not have expectations that you're going to do better than that when you return what you return. True. Is this, I guess here's the important question that we're going to have to deal with between now and November 27th, as long as things go as planned. Are expectations higher for this team than any team in program history? Yes, absolutely. I don't think, I mean, I can't even think, what would be a close second? Well, 09, there weren't great expectations. That's what I'm saying. That team lost almost all of its defense. And three games the year before. 
Yeah. Like there was no into, expectation uh, that 09 was going to be a 12 and 0 regular right. season. No. Other than maybe you on a on this if we had this podcast in 2009. You yeah. might have gone 12 and 0. Mm, I'm trying to think back for how Probably not cuz I probably at that point like didn't I don't know. I mean I I've have one one season prediction that turned out to be completely idiotic, terrible. And then we won't talk about it. No. And then this year I was exactly right, other than the Peach Bowl. (coughs) And the only game I got wrong last year was UCF. Right. She had no faith. Fair. I'll take that. I'll take that shot. I'll take that shot. That's fine. If if I'm gonna dog Josh Heupel the way I've been dogging his ass, you have to pick UC to beat UCF. There's no question about that. There's no question. Like you, the, you, you painted yourself into a corner there. Oh. You left yourself no choice but to pick the Bearcats. But yeah, how could you? you how could this not have like the most expectations? You got people today when the schedule came out. National writers already talking about them making the playoff. Yeah, the path is there for Cincinnati to make the playoff. So let's go. Like hype that shit up. Like. Lean all the way into it, man. Like, how many times do you get this at a program like UC? Yeah. When you have a great year and your coach doesn't leave and your quarterback doesn't leave and dudes you thought were leaving get to come back because of a pandemic and you have sweet recruiting classes that you're now expecting to play even more. Like, you don't get this opportunity at UC. You get this at, like, Ohio State because you just keep cycling in five stars. Right. But, like, lean into it, man. There should be commercials and billboards and tweets just all about get on the bus. We're going 13-0. and Who cares? Who cares? No, Nobody even probably remembers the stupid shit I said the year that I said they were going to go undefeated and they went 6-6. Six and six. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Right. Feed into it. Uh, real quick. Before we get to some basketball, we, I'm not can sure. Can we talk about Houston's schedule real quick? Because I'm looking at the graph that um, <laughs> that the league sent out, and their last game is against the UConn logo. Uh, is that you? But I think that they also have no. Wait, well, here's the tricky part because UCF's second to last game is also against the UConn logo. But I'm pretty sure Houston Baptist has the same logo as UConn <laughs> with maybe some like minor tweaks that you can't tell on this thing. So like is UConn playing two bye games next year against conference teams? Let's see. We do have some pretty fun non-conference games like first game of the year Boise State UCF. That one could be that's a fun one to watch. Um, we talked about the two Tulsa game. Or Houston, Houston, Houston plays at UConn November 27th. Oh my God. They might, that's going to be so cold and miserable. Like Dana Holgerson is going to be, he might not show up. Who was the other one? UCF. Uh, November 20th. I'm guessing that is, I mean, it's their little dog head logo thing yeah i mean i'm oh sure they but why i don't know why you would 
2020 national champs, UConn, because they didn't play. Yeah. No, that's that's versus UConn at UCF November 20th. USF's not on the conference schedule is terrible, too. Like, NC State, Florida, and BYU, I'm not sure how good they'll be. Like, they lose everybody. But, like, that's the point. Like, why are you doing that to yourself? UCF has Boise State and Louisville. Yeah. Tulsa's got Oklahoma State and Ohio State back-to-back. Ooh. Yeah. Last year was their year. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Like SMU, SMU is doing it right. Alcorn State or Abilene Christian, Texas State, La Tech, TCU. Why are you? Why are our team? This is how you have the American get crapped on when you have a bunch of teams who are getting the shit blown out of them in the non-conference. Because why? Why are you playing these games? I mean, money is usually the answer. But most, when like, something doesn't like, look right, the answer is money. ECU's playing Appalachian State, South Carolina, and Marshall. That's fair. But like, there's a fourth, uh, Charleston Southern. Okay. But like, I'm sure the App State and the Marshall games are home and homes. But like, those are good teams. Like, you're not like, you're going one and three, probably. Probably, probably. Berg. His audio is not good. Okay. There we go. Are we are we discussing uh, a, a coach's comments today, or are we bypassing that segment since we've? Beating the hell out of it the last two weeks. Uh, real quick, we'll get a couple minutes on it real quick before we get to Justin Berg here. Luke talked to uh, Justin Williams today. The comments basically, look, there, there's a pretty clear uh, timeline here. BCJ podcast one, Justin Williams article. Justin Williams joins BCJ podcast. Justin Williams talks to Luke Fickle. If you follow the, the timeline of all those things. Oh, you, you forgot one thing. The, the Clifton Notes email. The Clifton Notes email. The, the response to I'm some sure of those that things. Was, I'm sure that was just right in the drafts yeah. about to send up until, you know, like two weeks ago. But if you follow the timeline of things and you follow the conversation as it has been had over the past couple of weeks, things are pretty simple. Dave? They are. I mean, I, there's not a whole lot to say. I don't have much to say. All I'll say is it's in writing now. So we'll see what happens. And it's easy, it's easy to talk to talk. Right. Like, and like, I don't need to say anything else. I said my piece, but like, if we're in April and we have the same questions that we have, that a lot of our fans have that reach out to you and I, then I will start talking again. Um, and because I think you both tell me be quiet, I'm gonna shut up. That's fair. I, he I leaves, think that's fair. Like I'm we said again. what we said. They presented whether we I roll at some of it or not, they presented, you know, their rebuttal, so to speak. Okay, that's fine. Now let's see it. Cause I because the thing I hear the most, and I totally agree with it, is that the fan engagement, for lack of a better term, is not awesome, in my opinion. And 
like, let's see how that goes now. You, yep. tout, you touted a new hire that would seem to uh, be someone brought in to work on that when said person doesn't have a fake a Twitter account. <laughs> we'll see. All right. I, I think we can leave it at that. We, no, I mean, we, yeah, the, we've spoken many we've spoken many pieces on where we, we think my biggest takeaways stand. from Luke's comments to Justin were one, and this is exactly what I figured he would say, is that the locker room is for the players. They see the coaches getting contract extensions. They deserve enhancements something as well because they're the ones getting the coaches the contract extensions they've been told now for how many years i mean luke even said he was like it needed to be replaced six years ago so you know those kids know that they've been trying to get it replaced they deserve it to be replaced and second luke seems to be on board with this plan of reducing the scope of the locker room because it's a one you know it's a whatever not even probably 10 times out of the year, you know, maybe some more for practices if they have them like in, in Nippert walk through stuff like that. But it's not, if your true goal is to have a football facility, the game day locker room, the stadium locker room is not as important. I understand that. But he finished his comment with now it's time to go full throttle. Yep. Now it's time to go full throttle. Which is what the basketball team has been doing. The last two weeks, as we bring in Justin Berg to talk about the four-game win streak. And that's it. There's nothing else to talk about. David DeJulius, that's what Berg wants to talk about. Hey, what did I, I called you. Uh, when we talked the other day, I said that I was, I was liking what I was seeing out of him. I've liked what I've seen out of him ever since I found out that he was coming to Cincinnati. Other, other than the three-point shooting percentage, which, Dave, you remember before the season, and I was, like, joking that, there's no way he's going to shoot 16% like the fellow <laughs> last year did. <laughs> way to go, what a stupid jinx. He was oh on pace God. for a while. Uh, I think he's up to 20.9 if I looked right yesterday or today or the day before. He's hot, oh. he's hot lately. Oh, my goodness. I, I That's an all-timer, man. I've never – why do I say anything? <laughs> you sticking but around, Dave? It, yeah, because I, I got some – I actually got some big picture questions for you guys on basketball. I, I, let's hear David Berg go for a little while. I'll, I'll take a back seat. Everybody knows what? my thoughts on some of these things. Let, let's hear David Berg discuss basketball for a little while. I guess my, my just kind of like question is how knowing what last year ended up being the way the season ended, not no one's fault this year. I mean, I'm not sure I'm, anybody's fault like you're we're off for almost a month but like how concerned should a fan be just in the sense of like the program still doesn't really seem to have an identity and these guys just whether it's what this guy's fault or that guy's fault they keep leaving and like yes there will be a ton of transfers next year all across the country but like are you building an identity? Are you building a program with a, just taking a bunch of new transfers? How, how does this work going forward? You, you want well, me to handle that burger? No, I, I don't know what a fan should be, but I will tell you that I am not concerned at all because it's happening everywhere else. 
people are guys are leaving everywhere for many different reasons. A lot of times it's playing time and they don't want to just work as hard as they can to earn the PT that they think they should, that they should get. And, and it's just like, it's the same thing happened in the NBA guys forcing trades that they want. As soon as something doesn't go the way they want it to. And they just, a lot of, a lot of fellows these days are just like, I'm out of here. And it's like, okay, cool, whatever. So I know people are concerned, like, well, ever since Brandon got here, all these guys are leaving. And it's like, yeah, but like, you know, it's a coaching change. So some of those guys left because of that. Other guys went to go play internationally. Um, you know, I'd say, yeah, you can be a little concerned about Harvey leaving. From what I know, it's just it was somewhat inevitable. Um, but I guess I'm just not that concerned about it because this is just such a weird situation. He got the job late last year. This year is this weird-ass year. So why? how – I don't think it's it's worth anyone's time to judge him yet. And really, he's 27 and 17 as head coach. It's not like he's, you know, I mean, that that's a pretty decent record for just taking over a program. If, look what he did at NKU early on. He lost a ton of games his first year, second year he was struggling. I mean, it took him a while there too. So I'm not concerned. I'm just not concerned about it. And if guys want to leave, they want to leave. It's, it's on them. And if Zach Harvey wants to leave <clears> – <throat> And, and figure out what he wants to do and go somewhere else. I wish him the best. He, I mean, he, he decided to come here. He tried. But if he wants to leave, that just opens up Mo minutes for Mason Madsen. So I'm good with that. Because that kid is not scared of anything. He's aggressive. Um, we need a guy that's gritty and can play some defense. And he's not scared at the end of a game. I'm not saying that Harvey was, but just I, I just I like what I've seen from him. And they're five and one since he started playing. So um, I don't believe that anybody that has left so far is irreplaceable. Now, Harvey was a top 50, top 75 recruit, depending on which service you looked at. So, yes, that sucks. Like, yeah, anytime you lose a guy who's a top 100 kid, because they're hard to come by when you're in the AAC, the dumbest conference in America, that's the worst brand of basketball ever. Um, it sucks to lose a guy like that because, like, he was he was balling this year before the the, uh, the shutdown for those twenty five days. He was, I mean, he was he was their best offensive player there for a little while. But I mean, but, well, I got a question for you on on that bird. Yeah, how familiar familiar are you with offensive and defensive leverage? Leverage, yes. In the analytics world, it's basically like uh, advanced plus minus. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't looked, I haven't had time to really look at any stats this year. So I don't know, but I will say just, I'm guessing that maybe it wasn't, even though he was scoring points, it wasn't helping the team that much because they were losing. I don't know. Well, it wasn't helping the team that much because that's, that's literally all he was doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I was just, I was, you, you cut me off before I could make my point where, Yes, he was hitting oh, some threes. Well, excuse me. <laughs> he was, he was, he was, and you know what? I mean, he was, he was hitting some threes. That that Wichita State game, he goes four for four, so his percentage went real high. So he had the best percentage on the team, and yeah, he was getting some buckets and stuff like that. But like, yeah, I mean, you didn't really see him impacting the game anywhere else, and uh, that's probably why he wasn't playing the major minutes defensively i mean that stuff matters i mean everyone talks about brandon being a uh, an offensive-minded coach and all that stuff but like last two years he's won games with defense because 
he hasn't had the guys that could make the shots and that, you know, that he's used to, and he just hasn't had a great offensive unit yet. So if you're not playing the D that you need to, then he's going to put Mason Madsen at the end of the game and said, you man, like, that's just the way it works. So yes, I agree with what, you know, with those stats, if that's what they say. He's, he's last. He was last on no, offensive like leverage country on the team. Oh, okay. <laughs> last on the team in offensive leverage. Last on the team in defensive leverage. Where which basically? Where's that from? What? What? I, I I contacted some analytics people. I know. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. I didn't know if it was somewhere I could just go look and and I'll, uh, I'll see and if make I can sure find, you're right. I'll, I'll see okay. if I can confirm. Find you. I, I need to confirm that. But yeah, I'll get it exactly. Too. So so there. That's a great thing. That did you put that out there for people who are all concerned? I okay, saved I'm, it for this podcast because I wanted your reaction as good a leverage nugget, guy. Good nugget. As, good a, as an analytics guy, I wanted your reaction to that. Yeah, um, so that's what I'm saying. So he's gone, and you know what? I wish him the best. He he decided to come here in the first place, but again, I mean, they, like that position that he plays is not the issue. Like, there's many guys that can play that off-guard position on this team, including David DeJulius, if, if, if you need him to. And David DeJulius, that jab step, man, I, I have not been that more excited about a particular move that a Bearcat player has had since Cedric McGowan when he had those little fadeaways because that's the shot that I take. I love staring down a defender and just either dribbling once or zero times and doing some sort of thing to get him off balance and then just raising up and nailing it. And that's what he does. He hit that one late in the game against UCF. Uh, I, think, I think it was tied, and he hit a three where he just stared the guy down and jabs up nailed it. Man, I love that shot. So David DeJulius, um, I just I can't get enough of that dude. I love having him in a Bearcat uniform. What else you got, Dave? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is that is that is that where you thought that that answer would go when you asked me that? When you started asking me about if I was if people should be concerned about people oh, leaving. No, I, I figured I actually figured yeah. that's where it was going to go because I'm like 100 <laughs> 180 degrees opposite of that. Mm. Can I can I can I add my my thoughts sure. there. Here's here's where I see the issues. If you are going to continue to bring in or, or, or be in a position where you have to bring in seven man classes, you are going to miss two to three times. That, that's why you want classes at three to four guys, right? So <laughs> when you're in court, when you're incorporating new guys into the program, you're doing it two, three, four guys at a time. When you're incorporating seven new guys per year into a program, you're going to miss. And you might not miss that year, but you're going to miss the next year. Like where, you know, somebody like Harvey in year two isn't happy with where he's at or, or where things are progressing at some point. The numbers say you're going to miss and you're going to miss two or three times because the class size is generally three to four guys and you miss on one or two of those guys, right? So you get a two to three man class every year generally is about how the cycle works. If you got three guys in every class, three, six, nine, that you know every year is a is a rollover you've got a fourth guy that you know you're generally recruiting that's not going to work out. however you want you know want to want to discuss that but that's where 
and I don't know that this is necessarily John's fault because he did what he could to keep the guys that he wanted to keep when Mick left. They just decided to leave. He wanted to keep Logan Johnson. Logan decided to leave. He tried. Elio Sasemi wanted to leave before Mick was even gone because Mamadou had passed him. So he was already out the door. John did what he could to keep him. John did what he could to Not keep senior. Nizier Brooks. Yeah. You know, Nizier would have been a senior last year and would have made that team infinitely more dangerous. But you're in a position, and because he was scrambling, he had to take an excess of junior or, uh, uh, grad transfers last year. So then you're back to seven guys in, in this class again. And you're back to Gabe Madsenop's out and uh, Rapolis Ivanowskis is hit with the reality that you can't play the four at this level. So he quits. And is some of that on John for not being able to look at Ivanowskis when Ivanowskis said, you know, I, I need to play the four because professionally I think that's where I fit and I'm looking for somewhere that's going to play me as a four. Do you look at that? And as a coach, you say, look, rap, we're going to try you at the four, but my tape read, my study tape study says you're probably a five in the American. That is that on the coach a little bit? Sure. Is it, here's what I think is on the coach with Harvey. You can't take a kid with baggage and be surprised when you land a kid with baggage. Like, I, I think that's, that's reasonable, right? Like, yeah. If, if, if there's a reason some coaches stay completely away, there's a reason Zach Harvey did not have a lot of interest. Why? Because if you take a kid with baggage, you can't be surprised when the kid has baggage. Now, you know, maybe because John had an existing relationship, a long relationship with this kid dating back to early in his high school years, he thought he could help the kid overcome that. Didn't work. It didn't work. So, okay. Good effort though. Move on. Right. You got other players. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm right. not blaming John yeah. for that, but no, I'm no, no. saying that's where I'm at on it. Like, you are what your past says you are. And can people overcome it and change and be different? Sure. But when you play to the back of your baseball card, as the old saying goes, you are who we thought, the, thought you are. You know Let what? Let him off the hook. You know what? Um, I, I told somebody this – yesterday when they were worried about the fact that they lost the top whatever recruit i said dude ohio state last year had that dj carton guy he just for some reason goes to marquette of all places and you know he was their best recruit in last year's class or one of their best he goes he was killing uc in that game at the start of the year last year but he goes to marquette guess what ohio state is in the top 10 without him and marquette sucks so <laughs> I mean, who knows? Like, my, I mean, who knows, man? Like, the, the, the rankings are what they are. But go ahead, Dave. I want to hear what your thought is. Why are like, you? What are you worried about, Dave? The Harvey concerned with Harvey situation specifically. It's like the cumulative effect of all this is, and someone's fault or not. The the matter of the fact is that they're going to be having to bring in a lot more guys next year than they probably would have hoped for, and. They're all going to, I mean, and that's, I won't say they're all going to be transfers, but it's going to be hard to land like high school kids at this point, I would assume. 
Um, so like, how do you build an, an identity and any continuity when you're bringing in, I don't even know what the number is going to be. Chad probably knows at least five more guys again, all, uh, all right. coming in from transfer grad transfer who have their own image. I don't think you'll the- see much grad transfer. I yeah. don't. I think that lesson has, uh, has been learned a little right. bit. But you're just going to have a bunch of dudes that have their own kind of, you know, you didn't build a relationship with them over, you know, the a typical recruiting cycle. You weren't able to, again, not anybody's fault, but the matter of the fact is that that's going to happen again. And I just wonder how do you get footing and build? A, that's, a, that's the I, fairest question in all of this. How do you get yeah. footing and yeah. build a program, well, you, build success? when you keep having to fit a bunch of parts in that, are, that have never played with you each f- other. You find a core uh, out of what you have and you build from that. So like a Davenport's a sophomore, he's probably going to be your leader. DeJulius will be your leader next year as a senior. Those two guys will, will instill what John Brandon wants as an identity of this program for whoever else is still there and then whoever else comes in. And you just have to hope. I mean, look, you could ask this question to a hundred other teams. I don't care about a hundred other teams though, Berg. I, I know you don't, but one. I'm just saying like everyone always is like, why doesn't this team do this and that? Why can't UC do this? It's like, yeah, well the other, like there's 300 other teams that don't do that, but I know what you're saying. I mean, yeah, I'm sure John's asking the same damn questions, man. He's trying his best. He got oh, this not, job last I'm not April. saying that he's I know. not, and I'm not saying, so but it's, you're, you're wondering if it's even possible to do that. Is that, is that your deal? Look, it, at least in the next year or two, like, yeah, I know. Stay old, get old is the, or get old, stay old is the thing in college basketball. How do you get old, stay old if you're replacing five to six guys every year? And I'm not saying, that, <laughs> and I'm not saying that that's going to continue, but like, it's going to happen next year. It's, there's no other way around it. They have nobody coming in as of now. So but who are their seniors next year? DeJulius and who else? Do that's it, right? Oh, dude. okay. No, next year. Vote. Yep, that's what I said. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. If you're Chris Voto, if you're Chris Voto, are you coming back for another year or are you going to Siberia? <laughs> it, the soul just left Berg's body. It literally just no, left I, Berg's body. Like, I get where you're coming from, Berg, like totally. I just look at it as like, how do like Chad said, like it's a legit question. How do you get footing to even like start to build an identity, build a program? And it's not his fault because of it's a process. It's it's a process. Pandemic, but like, okay, are we in year four and we're still trying to get there? Then then that's when to me like real questions have to start getting asked. Like these first two years. These first, I mean, if you're asking, if you think John should be fired over what's going on these first two years. You're just, you just don't want him to be the coach, Ludacris. period. Yeah, exactly. But like, Luda. I, I have a hard time seeing next year being a whole hell of a lot different than this year. I don't. I can't wait for next year. I'm I mean, so excited already for next year. You're, you're counting on two guys. No, I'm not. They got more than two guys. Who? What are you talking about? David DeJulius, Tari Eason. You're you taking think he's going to leave too? No, but you're taking a pretty big step banking on 
what you, what have you, what you've seen so far, you're ready to just go ahead and I like, be like, I, oh yeah. yeah. I, I I mean Davenport, we haven't still haven't seen Victor Locken. <laughs> okay, okay. Right? I mean, maybe this dude can just fuck cream from everywhere. I mean, I don't know. Like this dude could be just be able to score. I don't know. He's six ten. But I don't know. I I okay. This is just weird, man. It's just a weird year. I, I'm not oh, I'm not gonna fly super, off the handle and I'm not gonna weird. I'm not gonna be like, oh no, what's like how's it gonna work out? I mean, the guy I, John gets four years before I even you have, and no, he's twenty seven and seventeen. I don't care about wins and losses. Just really stacking numbers doesn't matter to me. Well, I know that he's also zero two against Xavier, so that needs to be said. <laughs> no, but like, like okay, we talk about you know the last... you know who's one and zero against Xavier Berg. Who? This guy. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I I say that only somewhat serious because like while they've won four in a row, they've done it against the bottom of the conference, which they were one of before they won four in a row. So you have to give them credit for that. But like, yeah, well, that's that goes back to every Cincinnati team in the world. Oh, look how good they are! Oh, the Reds are beating the Cubs nineteen times and the Astros, and oh, the Bengals are beating Andy Dalton so good because it's one o'clock against the Jets right. on Sunday. I, I just want to throws I, for four fifty yards. Like that's why I, I want. That. I'm really bummed if this game Sunday doesn't happen because of what's going on in Houston. Like, I just want to see him play a, t- a tournament level team, and that'll give. You know, it's going to be awesome. Why you know does it gonna, matter this know, year, though? No, just you know, just so I can to... see what that looks like. We've already seen it. No, I mean, not this season. Like, okay, what, well, what we saw see... it last year too. He didn't beat anybody, and he didn't beat anybody good this year either. Yeah, but, but you know, I mean, look, Mick lost to a lot of awesome teams too, and he beat all the teams he should beat. And that's how you build your culture. You win, you get to the tournament, and then hopefully you have enough offense to make a run at some point. That's what he's trying to do. This level's stupid. The AAC is so dumb. It's right in the middle of, like, it's not a major. It's not a, big, like, you know, not not a mid-major. Even, it's not just not like, even good who wants to play in this conference unless you don't have other, other, other options? It's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> you, know, AAC... you know who else it's hard for you know who else it's hard for aac football you know who else it's hard for right now justin houston houston who is down five to wichita state with 10 seconds left oh well they lost caleb mills so he transferred so what should kelvin sampson be fired now <laughs> <laughs> what is he gonna ever build a culture now they're top 10 um they also yeah, lost cause... east carolina right they did. I have an East Carolina always pops somebody. God, nobody. Oh man, what a the temple. Uh, so, I the temple of doom is what that place. I had a uh, coach call it. Every year they get somebody. They beat Temple that one year when Temple won the league. They beat us, of course. Houston this year. Give me a. I mean, you know, but that. I don't know. I, I just my my final thought on that whole thing, Dave. is just like it's so early, man. I, I can't. I can't. Nothing's ha- really happened yet. And he's 27 and 17. And his teams have gotten better throughout the season. And what matters? March. So you want your team to get better throughout the season. It sucks to keep losing to Xavier. Maybe we can play yeah. Xavier in February. Maybe that's what he should do. Play Xavier in February. Then we'll beat their ass. Can't play him the second game of the year when they get. Did you see that? That was no, fantastic, I'm... Dave. Did you see that? No, I just looked away. So I, Wichita State either gets a rebound or a steal with like three seconds left, like three or four seconds left. They're up five. I guess they're going to go ahead and just call it final. 
but the guy holding the ball with three seconds left just starts walking with the ball, celebrating oh. that they had won the game. There's still three seconds left. The ref blows the whistle with like two and a half seconds left. And I think Calvin Sampson was just like, we're good. I'm pretty <laughs> sure like Kansas. Where was State, that game? Wichita. There was a Kansas State, right. uh, maybe Texas Tech Big 12 tournament game one year where the guy got the ball and thought the game was over and started walking and they called a travel. And then they hit it like a game winning basket at the buzzer. Uh, the other team did in the conference tournament. So it was a five point game. So a comeback yeah. for Houston, but now Houston, Houston, I, dude, I've been saying this. You see can win this ever. league. <laughs> I've been saying this forever about that Houston team, man. They are so because of the way that, that Samson has done things. They are so limited at the four and five. that quite I, stop me. If you've heard this before. Quite often, they're playing three on five on offense. And if their three guards don't have it going, you go to East Carolina and lose. You give up 82 points. You go to Wichita State and lose. And now Wichita State's kind of in command they're in for the first. conference championship. They're in first. Oh, my God. I didn't even, I, had, I don't even know what the standings are. That's how far removed I am it's, from that it's, dumb it's Wichita State, one, Houston, two, and then kind of everybody else within, like, that next – Cincinnati's got – Four losses in the league. Houston has three. Wichita State has two. Uh, I was wow. also I was going to make another. Com- I was going to make a comparison for you, Berg, because everybody talks about you know how this. There's so much turnover and there's so much going on. Sometimes coaches early in their career take a chance on a kid that they think they can help, and that they think is really talented oh, and can be a difference changer in their program. What name am I going to say, Justin Berg? D'Antonio. No, I'm I'm talking the previous coach. Oh, oh, uh, Jermaine Lawrence. No, not even not even Jermaine Lawrence. The only guy Mick ever really Lance. Played. Lance was Biggie's rookie of the year. Uh, Alvin Mitchell, year two. Trump oh, man. kid. That would have taken me a long time to get to that name. I but Trouble yeah, kid. you yeah you yeah I know. But he was a big time scorer. He was rated highly. He had his issues. You take a bad kid, you get a bad kid, or you take a, a kid with some some issues in his background. Those issues in his background come to the forefront while he's in your program. You have to move on from the kid. But you Sometimes know what he did do, though? It happens. You know what he did do? The one thing that he did that helped was he had a couple big threes at Georgetown after Georgetown had been demolishing Mick every time. And we finally beat them, and it was because Alvin Mitchell hit a couple. How do you remember half. this shit? Because I watch every game, and I have a good memory. I watch every game too. I couldn't tell you one second <laughs> of Alvin Mitchell's career in Cincinnati. I remember that his first dunk was on a steal off a press, off two feet two hander against. I was two. like, I, I don't remember who it was against, but I just remember uh, like, you oh, I didn't know he could do that. <laughs> But yes, he that was that game that he hit those couple threes and it was like, oh, Alvin Mitchell was like coming off a like a down screen to like the wing and he would turn and hit him. I was like, ooh, Alvin Mitchell might have something. And yeah, then he was gone like very soon after that. But at least he did that. Sometimes you take a chance and you get what you thought you were getting, which you knew deep down in your heart you knew you were getting, and it happens. 
All right, before we go, I've got one last thing. So earlier in the season, way earlier, um, when Davenport hit those threes against Tennessee and, and he was shooting like 60% from three, I said that the Vegas over-under should be right about 35% for him. And yeah, I, happened to look, right. I happened to look yesterday and he's at 33. Yeah. <laughs> but he, but like the, the, um, the Temple game, he hit a couple catch and shoots that were like humongous late in that game. So he, he, like, he shoots with a ton of confidence, like he should be a higher uh, percentage shooter, but he's just 33. And on this team, that's like your best option. He gets torched in the nets. He gets important (laughs) buckets. He does. You're right. He does. And Davenport, coming into the season, nobody thought he was even going to be – he thought he'd be barely in the rotation, let alone – Did we mention him on the preview podcast? Yeah, that's what it was. I think Dave or or maybe it other was than uh, like, Brent or something. Other than like 30 seconds. No, you were like, what do you think his role will be? And we were all like, yeah, maybe he'll play some games if we need energy. And it was like, oh, my God, we need this guy because no one else can do anything. And, he, you know, he's – but I, I, I just love having a guy – like, I feel like this team has guys that – like the Julius is such I, – I love having a point guard that you can give the ball to late in the game and can get everybody organized and he's just – like, I love those guys. And, like, Mason Madison, a guy you have on your team that you would hate to play against, you love having him. Davenport brings that energy. If Easton – if Tari Easton could just go straight up vertically on defense and stay in games and stop getting in foul trouble because he always has to block every shot, um, it would be awesome to have him, like, averaging close to a double-double because that's what he would do. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's a pretty good four right there. And Mike Adams-Woods is starting to find some stuff. So, like, there's like the, the rumblings of some stuff next year, but all of a sudden this year, they, you know, this four game win streak, um, uh, it's been a lot of fun and every game, John Brandon, just like his teams are in so many close games. You might as well just wait till there's like five minutes left and you turn it on, you know, it's going to be tied and just ride that roller coaster to the end. Cause it's just inevitable. Even if they're up by nine, It'll be tied. If they're down by 13, it'll be tied. This is crazy. Anything else? I remember I remember when Mick started and he had that big losing trick that second oh. year. And then it was like, oh, he learned how to win. And now they're winning games. And same exact thing just happened. Justin. That's all I got. I just finished my beer. So um, I got a couple more minutes. What, what you got? What are the percentages for those – who might be wondering why you would have a Mason Madsen in the game over Zach Harvey at the end of the UCF game. What other percentages Zach Harvey chases down the rebound in the corner that Mason Madsen chased down that basically won UC the game? I would say fairly low to, 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 to extremely low. That's yeah. why one guy's in the game at the end of the game over the other. Yeah. Did, did Do you think Brandon drew up that inbound play to get him the ball when they were up by one, I think it was, against Temple? No, I'm guessing it probably was designed for, for Micah. Yeah. But, he, but like, the, the ball ended up going to Mason, and he was, in, he was like, I'll, I'll shoot these, whatever. Why what are not? your thoughts on his Papa shot free throws? I know. It's, it's, it's confident. Do you th- do you do you think he should take a little bit more time? No, no time to think. Get the ball. I love it. and I love how the Julius doesn't dribble. I don't dribble when I get when I when I play in the league. I play. In I was the, I was a I one dribble chance. guy. I know. I just I just get it 
and I just look at the rim and I bend my knees and go right up and cream. Like I don't need to do all these rhythms and stuff. It's so, just, sorry, it's just, Dan. Yeah. What? <laughs> That's a Dan. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I love when guys don't dribble. I just, I, I, I'm a huge fan of that. There's no point. Just get it, line it up, and nail it. See, I like the guys that dribble like four times, go around their back, <laughs> spin it like two or three times, because I'm sure I they're I can't... real, real focused and and yeah. concentrating after they that do spin, all that. Yeah, the spin one's weird. I, I never understood that one. I think That's that was just to like get a, the right feel for like how it's sitting in your hand. Yeah, and by the way, um. Again, like th- I, 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 I'm glad that Harvey at least came and tried, but he still didn't dunk that breakaway earlier this year. So I'm not, you know, it's like now we up. get down. Now it, now it becomes clear. <laughs> now it becomes clear. He if finger six, rolled five, a fast break. Yeah, if you're six five like that, like I need more dunks out of you. I just do. Um, so I, I mean, if he had been dunking a lot, then I'd be really upset that he left. <laughs> <laughs> okay the important things <laughs> that's the, the, uh, just promise me one thing bird you'll never again utter the phrase i just bend my knees and cream <laughs> <laughs> can we can we retire can we retire that one? i think i said raise up but yeah i won't say yeah either, I won't either way in, yeah i won't yeah it's still it's still part of it that that's a beautiful T-shirt, Bird at the free throw line, bending his knees with the words, "I just bend my knees and cream." Yeah, that might be a one of one. <laughs> Justin's the only one that has it. I'm not. I'm not sure I'm gonna be wearing that one around town. Yeah, but with, I with think really short think, basketball shorts on. I think the Julius would wear it because that's what he does. Except for late in that game the other day, which was unfortunate. He's got to ditch the T-shirt. If nah, I, let him do whatever he wants. As long as he, as long as he just keeps jab stepping people and like getting into the lane late in the game and just you know being a leader. I don't care what he wears. He's less T-shirts, more headbands. I, I'm so excited to have him as a senior point guard next year. I, I can't tell you, or I, I can't. I already did. <laughs> this beer really I got couldn't me. tell this from is, this podcast. This is a uh, uh, an IPA. Twenty seven um, AP. A night on Ponce. <laughs> so I, I don't. I don't, I don't get many. I don't put many beers in my uh, system these days. Who made it? Three Taverns Who? Craft Beer. My my uh, my cousin gave it to me when I was in Atlanta, and I just I brought him back with me. And man, this is feeling good right now. I love it. What What was your review on Gus's fried chicken? fantastic uh i didn't it's expect got, it to be that spicy it's got some and, kick. It, and, and it was uh it was a little rough uh coming out the other end <laughs> the next morning but it, but i had saved some and even though that happened i still ate the rest of it for lunch i was like i if i have to even if Wait. i have to go through another bathroom experience like that i'll still eat more you told like me put extra hot sauce on that son of a bitch i did I, of course i did yeah. Well, then you can't be upset that you went to the, that you had an explosion. I wasn't upset. <laughs> I was just like, this sucks. But then I still had more and I went and ate the rest for lunch. I wasn't deterred because <laughs> it was really good. And when you got the bag, it was so greasy, like grease everywhere. Oh, yeah. it, it was like you could barely even 
you were afraid you were going to spill the the like the container because there was so much grease. And I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, buddy. Would I steer you <laughs> wrong on fried chicken? No, no, I didn't think you would. Would somebody but yeah, like but that looks like me steer you wrong on fried chicken? <laughs> no, and I just for anyone who's never had it, just be prepared that you know, usually fried chicken is ne- nowhere close to this spicy, and that's their only so flavor, good. right? Oh yeah, the, there's no regular and spicy. Yeah. It is, it that is regular Augustus. It's phenomenal. I, I was talking to Pat Lambert tonight, and uh, he was like, uh, we, I was I was having some Mio's pizza while we were we were chatting. We're talking pizza, and he's like, I didn't realize you were a big pizza guy. I'm like, Pat, have you looked at me? <laughs> pizza, beer, you're a, big, you're a big everything guy, yeah, pizza, really. Beer, chicken wings, fried chicken like the stuff in life that, I, that is enjoyable. I enjoy, or what, what were those grippos now that you got rolling? Oh my god, you got them right there again. What'd you do, order a case? No, but I've always got like if. So this bag I've had sitting here next. I had some like two nights ago. Yeah. Um, I might have a little bit more tonight. But uh, if you know when that bag gets low, the next time I'm somewhere that has a bag, I, I will grab it, keep it downstairs, <laughs> break glass in case of emergency. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Mason Madsen. Uh, it was, there right? was an emergency. They were two and six. He had to break that glass. Didn't want to redshirt him. He needed him. <laughs> yeah. Dave, you're <laughs> Dave. Are you rethinking sticking around for the basketball portion of this podcast? <laughs> it's a little late now. <laughs> <laughs> That's your nightcap. Uh, yeah. That's your nightcap. All right. I, I, are we good? Anybody got anything else? So wait, this game's probably not going to happen because no one's got power down there and whatever. Oh, what I can't wait for is when they have to move this game back to Cincinnati. Mm. Oh yeah, like that's going to happen. Kelvin Sampson's face. <laughs> you think they're going to cancel it instead of playing it here? They just played at Wichita. That would be they the thing. Play on the road. That would be the thing the league would do, isn't it? If, if that game doesn't get played because there's nothing, there's no ability to play it in Houston as if that's the only option. Oh boy. I've yet to go at Brian Thornton publicly. You don't think that that's really what's going to happen? Come on, man. There's no chance they cancel that game if they can play it here. No chance. Is it on national TV? Yeah, I think so, isn't it? Just like ESPN, whatever, but not plus. Yeah, it's not definitely. Man, people are really butthurt about that ESPN plus. Like, just get it. It's just an app and you pay like 10 bucks. Like, it's like a. $1.50 Dollar fifty a game. Like, why is it such a huge deal? Because it's an inconvenience. If we're being honest, I mean, the only ESPN, really the only downside is ESPN, Grandma Ruthie. Grandma Ruthie's seen like four games this year because of that shit. Sorry, Dan. Main es main ESPN one o'clock Sunday. Ooh, that yeah. game is being played. Yeah. Now Houston's going to be pissed because they just lost. So. <laughs> But that game's getting played, whether it's here or there. If they can't play it there and they don't Houston, play it here, whole oh, buddy. Yeah, Houston may be pissed, but they don't have Mason Madsen and Cincinnati does. Ooh. <laughs> I know, that's a little much. That's that beer. This beer is really good to me. 
<laughs> that was that was Bert. always my Gary Clark. I I can't give Mason Madison Gary Clark status yet. I need to I need to roll back on that. Slow down. Need to slow there, that Justin. roll. Unbelievable. All right, we got to go before Justin says something that embarrasses himself. <laughs> yeah, like that's never happened. Oh, I love it. All right, Berg. I love you, brother. Yeah, I love thanks you all for, too, uh, man. Go Cats. Thanks, thanks for popping on. Dave. Yeah, I need uh, yeah, this, I appreciate you having me. I really this really helped uh help the cause down here. I, I know you need to get it out sometimes. You got to get your Bearcat talk in. It drives yep. you crazy. <laughs> you called me today driving home from the grocery store. Yeah. Just to just to get a little a little a little Bearcat love in. And Dave Thanks for sticking around. I, you're 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 shaking your head like I can't believe what I just put myself through. No, it's okay. I'm just waiting to go watch a different basketball game now. We won't talk about which one. The the crosstown shootout west. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Justin Berg, Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thank you to the Holy Grail. Thank you to Mios. Thank you to everybody that participated in the Crosstown Tip-Off Challenge. Chad won. Bearcat Journal won. Xavier, zero. So, Berg, you're also, by proxy, undefeated against Xavier. I'll take it. Because someone right. needs to do that shit to him. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. We'll see you next time. Odds. Uh, <laughs> this was a fun one. It's the BCJ Podcast. Brought to you by the Holy Grail here on BearcatJournal.com.